Hello and welcome to Inside Modular, the podcast of commercial modular construction brought to you by the Modular Building Institute. With a compact footprint, variety of unit options, and seamless system management, city multi-variable refrigerant flow zoning systems from Mitsubishi Electric Train, HVAC US are a one-stop solution for modular projects. With efficient operation and the ability to connect to commercial ventilation equipment, third-party systems, and comprehensive control solutions, City Multi VRF can help you meet energy and performance goals on your next project. From off-site development to on-site assembly, you can trust our manufacturer-level support to guide you from system selection to design to startup, no matter the application. To learn more about our offerings, visit MitsubishiPro.com. Welcome everyone, my name is John McMullen and I'm the Marketing Director here at MBI. Today I'm talking with Brian Pearlberg, Executive Director and Senior Counsel at Consensus Docs. Brian is here to talk about the new contract Consensus Docs has created for modular projects, how it was developed, and all the benefits it can provide for modular project stakeholders. Brian, thanks for being here. John, thanks for having me. Uh, it's Appreciate my, it. My pleasure. Uh, for, so for those who aren't familiar with Consensus Docs, who are you guys? What do you do? How did you get started? Well, Consensus Docs has been around since September of 2007, and we publish best practice standard construction contract documents. And if you're not familiar, contract documents, standard ones that associations identify, draft, and publish, play a really important role in setting the rules, the playbook for the design and construction industry. The standard documents have been around for over 100 years, and it's almost like private legislation because it's not like there's a one-size-fits-all approach, but, but again, what's in the contracts usually represents roles, responsibilities, and what you kind of expect for general ground rules on a project, uh, the do's and the do-nots often. And one of the things I like to say is you cannot say general contractor without saying the words contract. Mm -hmm. You can't say the word subcontractor without saying the words contract. Contracts matter. The studies prove it. And we're really happy that we're all about changing and improving the industry and to set a better foundation contractually on how to build both from a legal point of view, but also best practices. So what's the scope of your services? Uh, what kind of contracts do you offer? How many do you offer? Yeah, and so I should mention that consensus docs, it, the D-O-C-S in the docs has a double meaning, by the way. It stands for designers, owners, contractors, and subcontractors. And what that is intended is that we are trying to bring the entire industry together to figure out a better way to build. And one of the ways we do that is while we, we publish, so to speak, just standard contract documents, there's a lot of them. And they, again, they play a really important role. We address all major project delivery methods. And by that, I mean the traditional method of design, bid, build which you're probably most familiar with, that is still the most prevalent way of designing and contracting. Mm -hmm. But we also address design build, which is a pretty substantial way of delivering projects, CM at risk, as well as CM agency, 
as well as we were the first to come out with a standard integrated project delivery document. In addition to that, we have a lot of other agreements like subcontracts that support those main project delivery methods, as well as particular emerging issues like building information modeling. And now we'll get into it later, but like the first to uh, publish a prefabrication construction contract document. So the answer is, I, I kind of liken it to the commercial, it, it's a little while now, maybe I'm dating myself, but remember the one for Prego spaghetti sauce. Uh, if you need a contract document, it's in there in our contract catalog, uh, just like the, the spaghetti sauce had all the, the main ingredients uh, that you need for a great meal. So tell me about the, the, the coalition that you guys have put together. You, you, you alluded to it earlier. MBI is a member, proud to be one, but why, why is it so important to bring all these voices to the table? Well, it goes back to the history of, of, of standard contract documents. Historically, one association writes a contract document and publishes it. And sure, a standard document is probably going to be more fair than something written, what's called a bespoke or a manuscripted document, which is a one-off, or maybe it's a, even a, a public agency that's writing it for themselves. Those documents sometimes are what I call Frankenstein contracts in the sense that they're sewn together from the dead body parts of all failed projects. And so they usually have a risk allocation profile of shifting all of the risk from one party to another. And that's not good. And that's one of the reason, reason why our industry struggles with efficiency is because proper risk allocation is that the party who is in the best position to manage and mitigate risk should be allocated that risk. Or globally, you can take an IPD approach and try to manage risk holistically at the project level and everybody managing and mitigating that risk. But here's the thing. If one association writes a contract document, who do you think people are going to think that it's biased towards? If the American Institute of Architects, AIA, writes a contract document, do you think it's going to be advantageous to the owner? Do you think it's going to be advantageous to the contract? No. You're going to think it's going to favor the AIA's membership, which is their mission, is to further the interest of their professional society. Mm -hmm. And that's all fine and good. But the problem is standard contract documents set the ground rules. And it works a lot better when you have predictability in your terms from one contract to another, rather than people taking one standard 40-page contract document and saying, oh, this doesn't benefit me. I'm going to delete almost every single word in this contract, and I'm going to make it so it's biased towards me. And then you're playing gamemanship where you're trying to figure out, uh, gotcha, contract gotcha, how, how you're going to get uh, the short end of the stick in the contract. So consensus docs came around and the concept was, okay, we get it. If it's written by one association, even if it is fair, people are going to perceive it as biased toward that group. So let's get rid of this Gordian knot problem by a bias and we're going to get everybody an equal seat at the drafting table. So we invited everybody, owners, contractors, subcontractors, design professionals, I'll admit initially the design professionals because they've had an outside role in controlling the terms and conditions and uh, their professional 
uh, authority in the process were reluctant to participate and it's taken a lot of effort to get their perspective uh, to the table and adequately representative, which I think we have. But the point is everybody has an equal stay at the drafting table. The end product is geared towards having a better contract document that someone at the project level can take from the national level and take it off the shelf and pretty much put the project specific information in and feel like they have balanced the risk in a way that's designed to do one thing, get better project results. And we do it in a way that's really innovative where we've gotten everybody into this mindset and we've been able to take a leadership role on addressing emerging issues that are impacting our industry for the better. And I can't think of a better example than the prefabrication contract document, but we've done that in lots of areas. Well, that's a, that's a fantastic lead up to my next question. Thank you so much. So about the prefab contract, MBI worked with uh, Consensus Docs for, for two years helping to create uh, this new contract. I was wondering if you could tell me about that development process. Sure. The conversation started because uh, a member in AGC who has is a very active participant in the Consensus Docs Coalition, Sue Clowans, who was with Gilbane, uh, was the chair of a working group, and it was a um, I believe it was for off-site modular or prefabrication group about pro uh, improving the industry. And I'm getting the name wrong. But Tom Hardiman was on that group and actually was the vice chair when Sue was the chair and later became the chair. And she asked me to come in and talk about uh, contract documents, right? Because I'm sort of the go-to person for contract documents uh, in the construction space. And we started a conversation of, this is really important. This is a way of improving the industry. And one of the ways that I think consensus docs are competitive advantage is we're active listeners. We haven't been doing this for a hundred years. We have a good track record, but we're open to new ideas and we want to do new things. So Tom and I got speaking and I think that I, after getting introduced from this uh, offsite group, uh, about improving it was I think it's uh, it was a process improvement for the industry that also included nibs I think maybe nibs was staffing it and Tom and I got talking and and I think that there was a meeting with MBI and basically we we created this concept of hey let's address prefabrication construction and we took that idea to the consensus docs drafting council and there are representatives from, there, there's 40 groups. MBI became the 41st group. So now I can say 40 plus organizations. And the concept was uh, approved enthusiastically. And then what we did is we worked with folks through MBI, through NIBS, and through the Consensus Docs Coalition. Uh, and I would actually say that this was one where ABC in particular was, was great at getting us volunteers. And we sent this open invitation to a lot of people who are knowledgeable, not just in contract documents, but are, are knowledgeable about prefabricated and modular construction and different aspects of that. So we had lawyers, we had people who were very knowledgeable of, of the industry and we got them together. First, we talked about concepts and philosophy and we talked a lot about what are they we seeing in the industry that are gaps, what are the problems Usually when we try to write an industry first document, there, there's a dearth of, 
uh, of examples, and the examples we get usually are not examples that we want to emulate. They're usually horror stories in which people talk about, I can't believe I worked on this project, and, and this is what we had to deal with, and this was not the right fit. So, so, you know, it takes a while to figure it out, and I can go into a little bit more detail about our process, um, but, but let me pause there uh, to make sure that I'm, I'm answering your question. No, you did. Uh, it was a great answer. Thank you. Sure. So, so we start the process, and it did take about two years to write a contract document. And I, I bet your listeners are probably thinking, wow, that's a long time to write a contract. I was thinking. Uh, but we do, <laughs> we do have a pretty exhaustive process because we start big and then we narrow it down. And, and like I mentioned before, there's a sort of a philosophical approach and then there's getting down to brass tacks. Mm -hmm. And some of the things that we, we had an all-star cast of a, a really complimentary uh, focus group that really was of the mindset of how do we figure this out to make the industry better. It was really interesting. So this in this issue was particularly interesting because of some legal precedents of dealing with manufactured goods versus common law, and that's governed by the UCC, uh, the Uniform Commercial Code. And then there's a whole host of common law issues that are more typically governing governing construction. Uh, contracts and the design and construction of something that is a one-off, right? That you come together on the project. Mm -hmm. So we spent a lot of time thinking about what do we want? How do we want to handle this? Is it more of a manufacturing process? Is it more like construction uh, and a subcontract? Uh, and so that's why it took a bit, a bit of time and in hearing those perspectives. Uh, and then we started getting down to model language, and it was really interesting because. It was the philosophy, then it was the language, and then we had so many pivot points to make because prefab presents some novel issues. The biggest one is the, the UCC versus common law and how that plays out on things like prepayment and or pay, payment of, uh, of the goods before they're made uh, and, and, and warranty issues. And so it is fascinating and it takes a while, but uh, the two years was was uh, well worth it because after some fits and starts and, and going down some uh, uh, not rabbit holes but maybe going down one hole and then trying to verify if that's the right way to go and not sure of yourself because it's an industry first document and there's not a lot of examples out there uh, we were able to get some good feedback from folks who have the general contractor's perspective, the prefabricator perspective, who is more like a manufacturer, uh, distributors and things of that, and end users and lawyers. Uh, it really was a good process uh, and the two years. And then there's the consensus docs process. We're not going to just publish a document. Um, we have the working group and then it goes through the consensus docs council that makes sure that the terms and conditions are consistent with our other documents. There, we're allowed to have particular uh, issues that are addressed differently for a specific issue, but we also want to be consistent. So there's a balancing act, and the roster of, of the Council of Consensus Docs also reviews that in, separately from the working group. And then we have to publish and edit the documents and put it in our system and make sure that all the sort of value-added things that we do to make sure the documents uh, work in our system and they automatically renumber if you make revisions and where the blanks are, where you have project specific information. And then we even publish a guidebook that 
are ways of trying to think through some of the risk allocation issues that may vary from one project to another. Uh, and lo and behold, we, we, we got through all of that. We got through the approvals. We got through the logistics of publishing the document and then the, 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 the rollout marketing effort. And, and we're real happy that uh, the two-year process um, was successful and led to a really good document. The document is the consensus docs. 753 is the standard agreement between constructor and prefabricator, uh, and this is for that. That is our standard document for pre, for prefabrication. Well, that's awesome. I know a, a ton of work uh, went into it. I know Tom's proud of the work that he did, that MBI did. Uh, I was wondering if you could help me, just so everyone understands. If I'm uh, an MBI member, a manufacturer, a design professional, how does this new contract benefit? me well the the first thing is it, it it helps put prefabrication and modular construction on the map i said before you can't say the word general contractor without the word contract mm -hmm. some people say like what is how do we identify you know oh it's so unique everybody who does prefabrication does it differently and that's true but there are some commonalities and there's the you don't want to have to start from scratch kind of like prefabrication you want to have some standardization and you want to be able to build off of that and you want to be able to build it off of a standard contract template so we have identified the most common way where we think that off-site modular and prefabricated construction is going to be designed uh, procured and contracted for on a project, uh, and it, we did use the subcontract model that it's gonna be procured through the general contractor. And we can talk a little bit about some of our future plans on making some other variations that are maybe less common types, um, but still widely accepted ways of procuring prefabrication. But th the first rule is that putting a standard document on it is something that is an industry standard that everybody can point to and think through, okay, even if I don't like it, it's something that you can react to and you can identify, okay, this is the example of how Consensus Docs describes the process contractually and even beyond that of prefabrication. And so now it's a reference point in education materials uh, for the industry who it's it just constant. And then lawyers um, can use this uh, in reference points. And then it kind of becomes a little bit of a buzz. Well, this must be important if it's in a standard construction contract too. Maybe this is something that I should be looking at. Consensus Docs is saying that there's a lot of advantages uh, of using, of contracting for prefabrication. Um, since they're saying it, maybe I should be looking into this for my next project. And then the other thing that benefits MBI is that they are recognized, they had an equal voice at the table. They've become a Consensus Docs a coalition member. All MBI uh, members get a 20% discount on purchasing the contracts for use on projects. Uh, and then there's a guidebook comments that MBI contributed to. So they get to be part of the official guidelines of how you think through some of those risk allocation issues on a project specific level. And then, you know, there's the, the future's open. I mean, this is not an endpoint. This is a, this is a, a destination along a, a longer journey of, of addressing prefabrication in construction. So this, this contract is still very new. Have, have you gotten any feedback yet from anyone who's used it? 
We've gotten tremendous feedback. I should mention some of the folks who were involved. The chair of the group is a good friend of mine who is really active in consensus docs, and his name's Ron Ciotti. And he had a lot of clients who had asked him to, before the standard document was written, to help them work through their contract issues, either as the prefabricated being the client or someone who was, say, an owner or general contractor who wanted to use prefabrication. So he would have to work on those from scratch. And he took those, that knowledge, uh, and then we took the consensus docs 750 long form subcontract as the basis for thinking through and making modifications for something for prefabrication. Um, and so Ron was instrumental, MBI was instrumental, NIBS was instrumental. And what Ron tells me is he's done a lot of, um, he's been very active in this area. And uh, I've gotten great feedback of it, but, every, but he's actually done a lot of in-person presentations and virtual uh, through MBI and through other groups. And he has gotten, a, there's been a lot of notice of this document uh, because one is there, that there is a thirst for addressing this issue contractually because a lot of times legal issues become a reason not to do something. People will be interested in using, say, prefabrication, but if they don't have an answer, the lawyers are often in the position of saying, well, that's a great idea, but I think we need to put the brakes on this because we don't have this question answered. So now that we have a standard document, there's been a, a lot of reception for it. There's been a lot of um, interest in it, and there's been use in it, of it, and it's been very well received, both the fact that it's the first standard document and then how we addressed um, some of these issues that uh, were, were, had not been addressed before. Uh, we've gotten tremendous feedback that it's um, gotten a lot of notice, in particular in the modular and prefab area, obviously. So what's, what's next for consensus docs? Are there other modular-friendly projects in the pipeline? You said that you know, this is a starting point for you guys. Do you have sort of a roadmap ahead? Or? So we have over 110 standard contract documents, and as important as prefabrication is, uh, right now, we're in the midst of something pretty important to us is we, about every five years, we update our standard terms and conditions that are embedded into most of our agreements. Uh, for those of you who are familiar in the contract documents world, um, the AIA A201 is updated once every 10 years, and that's a separate document that's uh, the, their terms and conditions. We integrate our terms and conditions and agreements into one document. Uh, so we're in the process uh, that affects a lot of our contracts of looking at our terms and conditions and thinking through, okay, in the last five years, is there anything that has changed in the industry? Have we gotten any feedback? Are there any new case law? Is there any new legislation that uh, we need to revise our documents to make sure that they reflect best practices, not just in today's construction, but in the near-term future? So we're going through that process, and that will have impacts for all of our agreements. And an example would be, okay, what is the language that you use to address, say, consequential damages and liquidated damages? That's one of the issues that we're going to explore, whether we want to make some fine point refinements to the language we have in our terms and conditions. But let me put a period there and say, yes, we have other plans sort of next or consecutive with that process is creating different versions of the 753 prefabricated construction uh, addendum. 
and we would make those, uh, they would have different numbers and be different documents, but they would reflect different ways of the general process of off-site modular and storing the materials off-site, uh, but in a particular place in the same site as the prefabrication site. There are different uh, models and scenarios that do raise other legal aspects. There could be more integration potentially of the prefabrication uh, facility and the project as one scenario. Uh, there could be less integrated approaches uh, where you have multiple sites that are storing the materials. Some of those issues change uh, the legal requirements that you want to address uh, or you need to address in your contracts. And so we were thinking of creating different versions and to address different scenarios for prefabricators uh, and, and purchaser of prefabrication uh, in, the, in their contracts. So that would be creating a, getting the gang back together, creating a working group uh, that's similar to, to the all-star cast that we had, and then going through the consensus docs process again. But it would be, this time we'd be starting from the 753 and just making modifications to it based upon industry feedback, based upon usage, and based upon these different scenarios uh, that we would then publish. Instead of just one contract document addressing prefabrication, we'd probably have a total of four different versions. Well, I'm sure those would be well received, and I'm sure Tom would be excited to uh, get back with everyone who worked on the on 753. Again, I know he was he was proud of that and excited that it's finally been released. Thanks so much for your time today, Brian. Uh, the 753 contract sounds like a great addition uh, to the Consensus Docs portfolio. I really appreciate your time today. Thanks so much for having me. And if I can be of any assistance, feel free to reach out to contact me at bpearlberg at consensusdocs.org. We have a lot of free uh, resources on our website. You can actually get a free sample copy of the 753 by registering on our website and requesting a sample. Uh, and if you need help, we have an 800 number as well. So I think this is a great opportunity for the MBI members to have an additional resource. And hopefully uh, we'll, it will be a reference uh, in your uh, convention materials and education sessions that you have for years to come. Uh, I just wanted to remind our listeners before we go, uh, MBI members are eligible for a discount, a 20% discount. As Brian mentioned earlier, uh, just contact us here at MBI for details. Brian, thanks again. Thank you, John. Have a great day. You too. My name is John McMullen, and this has been another episode of Inside Modular, the podcast of commercial modular construction. Until next time.